Welcome to Prepare to Care, the podcast dedicated to the millions of caregivers in Houston and beyond and to the loved ones they care for. Uh, I'm your host, Marie Pierre, and today we've invited back one of our first guests, Josh Reynolds from um, United Way Care for Elders. Um, Josh is here today to give us the numbers and give us a little bit about the, the statistics um, behind some of the facts around caregiving. Um, Josh is going to talk um, about maybe how many caregivers there are in Houston. Give us some tips to about the science um, behind living longer. And we're going to um, delve today into facts and data. So if you think you know all of the facts, I'm encouraging you to think again. Josh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Marie. It's good to see you again. Yes. So, so Josh, I, I want to um, get started with this kind of interesting piece of data that I just came upon, which is there are like 3.3 million caregivers in Texas alone. Mm-hmm. Is, is that a surprising number to you? Well, Texas is, is a big place, and so you would expect a lot of caregivers, but it, what it really speaks to is um, our, our aging population. And that number is going to continue to grow as baby boomers age and as the next generation comes up. Um, a recent United Way study um, shows that um, more than 40% of working age adults in the middle age range, so between 40 and 59, uh, 43% of them identify as a caregiver. And so that number is going to be close to half of uh, all kind of older adults in middle age uh, in Houston within the next decade or so. And so, yes, so 3.3 million in uh, Texas, 44 million nationwide, and uh, nationwide caregivers provide 37 billion hours of unpaid care. Wow. Uh, billion with a B, and I can't, I can't count that high. It's a very high number. Um, 75% of that care is provided by women. So one of the things I'd like to talk about today is when we talk about um, uh, caregiving, uh, uh, a lot of that is being done by by women. Um, uh, my my gender is not really pulling our weight right. <laughs> for a number of reasons in that category. So most of the stats we have are, are based on studies around uh, uh, female caregivers. So female caregivers, it's it's like you know we 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 gave birth to the children, we raised mm-hmm. them, yes. we saw them off to college. And now we're caring for, you know, spouse, mm-hmm. um, parents, parent. aging parents, mm-hmm. and maybe sometimes even children coming back home. That's right. But mostly aging parents. There, well, there are a lot of, uh, of uh, women in what's called the sandwich generation, where they mm-hmm. are taking care of uh, their parents, but also their children. And sometimes that doesn't mean younger children. Sometimes, um, sometimes kids boomerang back after college. Right. And are living at home again, and so that that role kind of extends longer than some people, a lot of people might expect it to as well. Um, but yes, um, uh, the average caregiver is a forty-six-year-old woman. She provides twenty-four hours of care per week, but she's also working as well. But her ability to work full time and to um, and to invest in her career it, uh, can really be limited by um, by her caregiving duties, by what's called her second career. Uh, so caregiving is called a second career for a lot of uh, working age adults. It's too bad it's not paid. Yeah, that's right. Right, and so so if you're a 46 year old female out there, mm-hmm. you're giving 24 hours of your time every week. Mm-hmm. Um, is that do we know? Like, is that in in like throughout the week? Is that do do people care mm-hmm. in like 
kind of like uh, what I call the hit and run. You know, I go for the weekend and I care and I, I, and I leave. Or mm -hmm. is it every day? Are there patterns that you are aware of? There are a lot of – well, the first thing – yes, there are patterns. Uh, the first thing to say is it, it really depends on uh, the support system, mm -hmm. whether she's doing it alone or whether there's a team that's helping out, whether there's ability to pay for some paid care and some respite care as well. Um, some people use respite care and pay for that so they can actually go to work Okay. in, this, in a similar way that uh, uh, a younger parent might be putting their child in, in daycare or might have a nanny come to the house or something like that. Um, so, uh, it could be as little as, um, eight hours a week, um, or it could be as high as 40 hours a week. But what also, when it comes to cognitive impairment, when it comes to dementia, Alzheimer's and, uh, memory loss, that's when the numbers really skyrocket. Mm. Um, uh, because that's a 24 seven job and caregiving might be 60 to 80 hours per week. And I know that seems like a very, very high number, but that's, that's what the research shows. That's it's you know basically all waking hours are spent making sure that the loved one is staying safe. It's like it's like having a small child, really. Mm -hmm. I mean that that's sixty or eighty hours mm -hmm. because it's a twenty four seven kind of job. Mm -hmm. that's right. do, do we have any kind of data about the people who are being cared for, like their age range, mm -hmm. or do, do do we know what this looks like? Um, so uh, we typically think of of care recipients. As older adults with um, uh, with cognitive impairment and also maybe with um, uh, some other uh, health challenges as well, uh, but but caregivers also take care of um, uh, younger uh, children with uh, maybe developmental disabilities or mm -hmm. physical disabilities. Um, that's a smaller number, but that still is part of the package. And then again, there are some there are some cases where uh, a caregiver is taking care of multiple people. Uh, which is an incredibly hard thing to do. Maybe both parents or maybe some combination of a parent and a child, like you said earlier, who has special needs. Um, and, so, and so there are, again, the median profile is, is what we talked about earlier, the average profile, but really it just, it just uh, is all across the board. 86% um, of caregivers are taking care of a family member, mm -hmm. which means that there are some people that are taking care of someone who is not related to them, a loved one, a neighbor, maybe someone from their church, um, someone from their community who um, they have a relationship with, but isn't isn't uh, isn't family of origin. Um, so that's and that's a wonderful thing to hear. Um, uh, and also, one in four caregivers lives with their care recipient, whether as a spouse or in a multi generational family. One fourth lives yeah. with their yeah. recipient. About twenty six percent. Yes. So mom and or, or, or mom has moved in with them, mm -hmm. and maybe they take care of of her mm -hmm. or. It's another kind of arrangement. So what I'm hearing is it's it's mostly the, the caregiving is mostly female, mm -hmm. mostly unpaid, mm -hmm. lots of hours. And it's really all about the, I mean, for the most part, it's about a family relationship or a close relationship. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. And there are a number of uh, paid caregivers uh, called direct care workers that provide a range of tasks that are medical and non-medical as well. Uh, that, and so some caregivers are able to afford to have someone come in. The challenge is that, even at a very reasonable hourly rate, that can add up very, very quickly when you talk about just the sheer number of, of hours. So some that can afford that are, well, most that can afford that are do that to some capacity, uh, but some are, some are on their own. It's also the case that um, how many siblings you have matters. Mm -hmm. um, and because there's always going to be a primary caregiver, someone who takes responsibility for mom and dad or for, mom, you know, for, for whatever, whatever parent is, is they're taking care of. Um, but if they have siblings... 
they may be able to help out in, in different roles. Uh, you know, if, if someone, you know, is an accountant or uh, is good with finances and budgeting, they may take over that part of it. Um, if someone is a nurse by training, they may handle the conversations with the doctors and the nurses and those types of things. Uh, if someone um, ha lives near mom and dad, they may be the one who goes and checks on them on a daily basis or uh, is able to, or, or they move in together at a certain point. Um, so, so let me interrupt here for sure, a moment. Of course. You know, we have this idea that, that people are aging and they are going to end up sitting all by themselves in a retirement home. And what I'm hearing is that that doesn't sound to like it's the whole picture because there are lots of people out there who are really taking care of loved ones. That's right. Do you think that's the majority of people or that's a significant number? Do we have data about that? We do. In fact, AARP did a study that showed that 90% uh, of older adults want to age in place. They mm -hmm. don't want to go live in a facility. They want to stay in their home or in their community. And we'll do whatever it takes to, to make that happen. Um, it's less expensive, but it's also that's where they raised their family. That's where maybe they got married. That's where they, ha they played with their grandchildren. Um, and they feel like if they left their community, it would kind of be losing their independence. And then it's a, it's a downward spiral from there. Uh, and so, yes, a, a lot of people um, taking into account what their wishes are really choose to, to try to do that. Plus, it's about a tenth of the cost of, right. of, of institutional living. And some of the places are very, very nice. But um, I think a lot of uh, caregivers feel like uh, they can, um, uh, they, they have, they trust themselves to provide care. Um, and it's, and, uh, and they, want to be very careful about who else is providing that care as well. Because so, I'm going to take care of mom well. Right. So, so there's a, a great deal going on. So 90% of people want to stay in their home. Yes. And they're doing all of they can to stay there until the very last minute. Lots of people are rising to the occasion. Mm -hmm. um, and mostly, you know, in, in what do we call a traditional way of, of this female work. And what you shared with me um, before, you know, when we talked a little bit before this recording was that it's paying off, that, that, that the relationships with people tend to extend life and extend mm -hmm. the quality of life. That's right. Yes. And so I wanted to mention, um, there's an idea that, you know, that, there, that caregiving is a, it's a burden that a lot of people take on, and it certainly has its downside, but it's also a, a blessing. 83% of caregivers say that their caregiving is a positive experience, even with all the strains and all the stresses. So basically, 8 in 10 say, yes, this is, not only did I have to do this, but I, I got something out of this myself. And, uh, and that is called, uh, there's, a, there's a term for that, it's called the caregiver gain. And so the four things I wanted to share about the blessing of, of caregiving, so to speak. Um, one is that um, uh, even after completing caregiving, um, there are a number of studies that show that there are lower mortality rates for older caregivers than there are for their peers who weren't caregivers. They live, they live longer. And a lot of this is about having a sense of purpose, having a reason. And even after, um, again, the caregiving is completed, and usually that means that mom or dad is either, um, has either gone someplace full-time or maybe has passed, that sense of purpose still carries them through the rest of their life. It's really important physically and also psychologically. So, so live longer. That's good. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, but they're also, they are uh, stronger. And I mean physically stronger. There's less decline for older caregivers than for their counterparts. There are tests about grip strength, picking things up, walking tests. They're doing a very physical job every single day. So it keeps them in shape. 
in so a way that even for older people yes, taking care yes. of, of like a spouse or whatever, in their, even in their seventies and even in their eighties, they 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 perform much better in terms of being being physically stronger and and healthier. Believe it or not, um, the third is that they perform better on memory tests. Their their brain is their brain is more active, um, and so older adults in their seventies and eighties score about ten years younger than their same counterparts that aren't caregivers. And if you think about why, it's because they're monitoring medications, they're doing scheduling, uh, they're handling financial responsibilities, they're talking to doctors and nurses who are using medical jargon and technology all the time. They're finding ways to get a very difficult job done, so they're problem solving. So they, so the brain games that they do as part of the job uh, makes them about 10 years younger than, you know, if, if someone is 78, they're scoring at the age of a 68 as opposed to their 78-year-old cohorts, which is incredible. So so even though it's a lot of work, for yes. the caregivers, there's yes. a gain. Now, how about the person who is being cared for? What's the gain for them? Do do, mm-hmm. do we have data on, you know, do, do is there a longer lifespan because they're cared for by a family member as, as opposed to going to a retirement home or independent living? Do, do we have data? It's, it's hard. It's hard to... There are a number of reasons why it's hard to answer that question, but one of the things uh, qualitatively um, that people report, um, and I think this is very, very important, is that time with a loved one really benefits both mm-hmm. tremendously. Um, so you hear about people that record their memories and their stories. They might write a book together. Uh, you hear a lot of people who will actually do something like this. Well, they'll record. They'll 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 get dad to sit down and talk about his experience, you know, growing up, or they'll get mom to talk about her experience raising children, and they'll actually record that and save it in the cloud and then and then come back to kind of a version of StoryCorps. Um, they look through old albums and records. So they capture memories, but by doing that, they're also creating memories. So um, so it, it's, you know, when, when, when someone is caregiving for someone who might have cognitive decline in their, you know, 70s and, and 80s, um, it's... You know, it's it's it's, it's really going. Tough. It's really tough, but there are some amazing things that that happen. And while those things are hard to quantify, I think they're really intuitive and easy to understand. Right. So what I'm hearing is, you know, if, if the person who is being cared for is is relatively, would it say, you know, well, I mean, they're aging, but there's nothing really really big going on. There's uh-huh. benefit for both. Sure. Um, and even with significant cognitive decline, like Alzheimer's and whatever it is. There's still some some benefits on both sides. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, yes. Um, anything else? Any other data on on living longer and things that you think would be helpful to our re- listeners? So th- there are there are burdens with being a caregiver, um, and I, I think that people if 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 anyone listening is I don't need, <laughs> I don't need to enumerate what those are, um, but um, but one one thing that I mentioned earlier that is incredibly important is. Um, this is not only a duty that a lot of people undertake, it also is a sense of purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's and this really quality time that can be spent. And it's, you know, it's very overwhelming for a lot of folks in the moment, but afterwards they say this was one of the most important things that I ever did. Um, and and just, just to know that that sense of purpose, there are a lot of studies that show that, that that sense of purpose will actually add to their life and to their quality of life. And people don't do it for that. They do it because... I'm taking care of mom. I'm taking care of dad. That's what I do. Um, but it it um, it will it will add to their it is and, and will add to their life even if, even if it may not feel like it in the moment. It it really does. 
So there's really the deep sense of purpose mm-hmm. that, that mm-hmm. I think most of us are, are driven by. And, and I think, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a mom, so I know mm-hmm. what that sense of purpose is like, you know, when you raise your children. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of people would connect to that, mm-hmm. that not all work is paid work. It's, it's kind of a shame that we think of, right. of paid work as being the only work, but, right. but you know, that, that what connects us is, is this deep relationship that we have. In, in the very little time that we have, generally. Mm-hmm. So, yes, absolutely. Um, um, Josh, if you wanted um, our listeners to take one thing away today, what would it be? Oh, just one thing. <laughs> well, um, like the big one. I, I think I think the big one is there are a couple of things uh, to that can be done to um, increase the blessings and maybe to reduce the burden just a little bit. Um, so can I give you like a 1A and a 1B? Yeah, and, okay. absolutely. Um, the first is, and everyone's heard this expression, but I think we're very good at giving this advice but not taking it. Um, what they say is um, when you're on an airplane, put your oxygen mask on first um, because if, if you don't, then then you're not going to be able to take care of the your loved one. So find find ways to take care of yourself. Um, I know uh, caregivers feel like they, they cannot do that, but they have to. We have to. If we don't take care of ourselves, then then we're going to end up sick and not able to provide the care, anyways. So um, so find a team and and think about well who can help me with this and ask people. I think a lot of caregivers just don't and I, this may be um, true of men and women, but I know I know women who this has been true of don't feel like they can ask people for help. Um, but trying to shoulder that burden alone uh, is very very difficult. And people are you know. People step up to the challenge and it can be very amazing, but you have to ask. Um, learn about. I'm going to interject. I oh, think yes. it's very true. You know, last week my, my parents were there. They're, they're with me for very short periods mm-hmm. of time because they live abroad and I needed a nap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I went and took that nap thinking I need to be with them until my daughter came forward and mm-hmm. I had to trust that sometimes trusting our adult children <laughs> to step <laughs> right. in and help, you know, yes. is okay. okay. We need right. to realize that yeah. not everyone depends on us. So that's a very good point you're bringing. Well, yes. And it's a, it's a mar- I, it's, it's very trite to say it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, but even in a marathon, it helps to have people there along the way to help you refuel and refill and give you, you know, comfort and those types of things. So, so tell us, you had another point. Oh, yes. Um, learn about community resources. There are more things in the community than you realize. You can call AARP. You can call a number called 211, which we've covered in, in previous um, uh, our session. Um, we put out something called the Senior Guidance Directory, which has, it's, and we talked about that last time, but it's a book of resources. So for respite care, for adult day centers, for... Um, if, if mom or dad has the ability to go to a community center for twice a week and eat a meal and dance, that will be great for everybody. There are all sorts of, and also, you know, how to, you know, how to make sure that the Medicaid and Medicare benefits are being accessed and, and nothing's being left on the table because finances are very tough for caregivers as well. So learn about the community resources through those three ways or, or any way that you start Googling around. But again, talk, talk to AARP. Call two one one, or um, if you go to unitedwayhouston.org, um, you can find the senior guidance directory. Uh, we have hard copies, but also there's a digital copy you can find there as well. And then the last thing, and this kind of goes into kind of the the, the first one. Um, there is a this is this little silly, but there's a show that I love to watch called Parks and Recreation, and they had this uh, 
they had this uh, motto where uh, sometimes you have to take a break and treat yourself. Okay. And so it could be a mani-pedi. Uh, it could be uh, going to movies. I like going to movies by myself um, because I don't have to talk to anybody. I can sit in the dark and just kind of veg out for a couple of hours. Um, to, you know, Exercising, taking a walk, whatever it is. But not only treat yourself, do it, but leave the guilt behind. Mm. And I think a lot of people will try to do that but feel so guilty that um, because they're asking someone else to cover for them that they never do it again. And that's when the burnout really comes into place. So treat yourself, leave the guilt behind, spend time with others, find a way to laugh and find your fun and you'll be a better uh, caregiver. And also you'll be better for yourself as well. Thank you, Josh. Yeah, you're right. That, that guilt thing, that's really tough. Mm -hmm. So we, we may need to have like a, a session about that. So, um, Josh, thank you very much, very much um, for giving us all the numbers uh, when it comes to caregiving. Um, if you want to learn more about what you heard today, I'm inviting you to visit our website, which is www.arp.org forward slash Houston to find all the latest data on caregiving in Houston. Um, now, if your family is helpful or unhelpful or difficult to deal with, um, next week we are going to invite Dr. Barbara Manuso with UT Health to speak about calling a family meeting. So this is a big one. A lot of us are dealing with siblings and not everybody is, is you know, playing the same role or pulling the same weight. So this is going to be a very interesting podcast to discuss these particularly tough conversations that we sometimes need to have with our family. So I'm encouraging you to tune in to our next podcast and I will see you next week. And as always, thanks for listening and thanks for caring.